Potomac. I think one of the most well-known stories of the Bible where I find the disciple is really, really misunderstood and falsely accused of doubting as it would be in a bad way. I met a person, or not a met a person, I was a teenager and I was in the youth group of my church and there was a Thomas. And he would only come once in a while because he actually belonged to a different congregation and he only came because a lot of his classmates came to the youth group. So he would come and to, to meet his classmates. And um, so, but he would actually be part of a very pious, very conservative um, congregation. And his parents, I don't know why, named him Thomas. And his peers, and maybe that was one reason why he liked coming more to our youth group, his peers would always tease him that he's a doubter and that this is something wrong and that this is something bad. That is something wrong with him, with him that just because he's Thomas that he automatically is not a faithful person, that he is a doubter. So and here we have faithfulness versus doubting, right? And so I had this conversation with him. I was maybe 15 or 16 years old and he said, I hate my name. And I said, why? And he said, well, everybody thinks that I'm a doubter. And I said, so are you? And he said, yeah, I am a doubter. But my problem is, am I a doubter because my name is Thomas? Or am I a doubter because I am who I am? So did my name and the people who said you're a doubter make me a doubter? Or am I a doubter because I just want answers to my questions? Well, I was 15, 16 years old. I had no idea what to answer. <laughs> okay, move on. We're going to our next activity. Um, but I wish I would meet him today again. And I would have the conversation again. Because I know now more about Thomas. And when we look at Thomas' history with Jesus, I think we don't give him enough credit for what he actually did. Because we think, because of the story of Thomas, that Thomas' doubts are something bad. Because Jesus says, well, you believe because you saw, you saw me, but blessed are the ones who don't see me and yet believe. But we have to look at the situation. They just lost Jesus. We've never been so close to Jesus like they were to Jesus, right? We never had this personal, hands-on, walking with him relationship in Israel, really walking and eating and sleeping with him under one roof, tent, whatever. There was this closeness, the one-on-one -on -one they had, that we wish we would, but we never had, because we are people of Easter. So there is this close relationship. And all of a sudden, and you put all your hope and you leave everything behind just for this person, he dies at the cross. Gone. I cannot imagine how devastated that must have been for them. Because for us, we walk through Good Friday knowing that there is Easter. But they walk through Good Friday not knowing that there is an Easter. They didn't know that the tomb will be empty. So we don't know what kind of devastation was going on in their hearts when they lost the hope that they put all in that this is the Messiah and will change the entire world and they left everyone behind, family, friends, work, whatsoever, just to follow this person. So we don't know how broken their hearts were. 
We cannot really experience that. But then I remember stories, and maybe you can relate from war, where mostly the sons were going out into war, and you would get, get the death notice back. You know, your son passed, and as a parent, your heart breaks. But you don't have the body to mourn, because they lost in the war, you know. And you get adjusted, and there are stories where, you, okay, you live your life, and you're devastated. And all of a sudden, somebody comes back and says, by the way, years later, your son is alive. Tell me a parent who would just believe those words. Tell me a parent who would just believe the messenger, oh, by the way, your son is alive. No. You need to touch him. You need to feel him. You need to talk to him. You need to look into the eyes to really be sure that this news is real, that this is the truth, that your son that you mourned without a body and you had to adjust to a life with knowing that your son is gone, lost forever. When somebody comes and says, by the way, your son is alive, you're not believing in the first place. Until you touch, you smell, you kiss, you cry together. Right? You wouldn't believe the messenger either. So here is Thomas, who is supposed to believe the disciples that the Messiah has risen. And they only know this because the risen one appeared to them. Because let's be honest, they didn't believe the messenger or the women either, who came back and said the tomb was empty. They had to go to the tomb too. They were doubters too. Doubting the women that the resurrection took really place, that the Messiah appeared to the women and that the tomb was empty. So Peter and his friends, they all took off to the tomb to really see with their own eyes that the tomb is empty and that something is going on. And return and the Jesus, the resurrected one, appears. So Thomas, as the doubter, is not fairly treated when we say they were, that he was the only one doubting. And that he, only one, he was the only one needed to see and feel and touch the wounds of Jesus. Because the other disciples had their chance the week before. And nobody can say then, I would have believed the story even without seeing Jesus. No, once you see Jesus, well, you are biased. There is the truth that you cannot put this away. The resurrection one appeared to you. So they are all doubters for good reasons because this story is so incredible and so unbelievable that Jesus needed to, as the resurrected one, as Christ, appear to his friends so that the good news gets out. If he wouldn't appear to the people that moment the story would have died but he needed to appear and not only to disciples we have many other stories like Emmaus where he walks with the people telling the people that he is still with them that a new chapter started with the people that the story is not over and that Easter really happened so there was the doubt and Christ appears into this doubt. Into this doubt to give hope back to the people. Now, we are not very good in doubting because of this story. As Christians, we think we shouldn't doubt. Or 
If we doubt, we shouldn't be as loud about it. Because of this story, where faithfulness is versus doubting. As it was a contradiction. As if I doubt, I'm not a good and faithful person. But let's be honest. Without doubt, we wouldn't have faith. Because only if you doubt, and if you allow the doubt to work through you and within you, and you resolve your doubt, and you find an answer, you deepen your faith. Only when you question, only when you seek your own answers, only when you take the risk to face your doubts and go on a journey to resolve it, then you deepen your faith. It is not so much that we pass on faith, it is that we live our faith, that we deepen our faith through our own experiences. And so we need our doubts. But why aren't we very fond to say them? Because Thomas is still with us, hovering over half, saying that he is the bad doubter who only needed to touch to believe, and that listening is not enough. As I said, I do believe that Thomas couldn't believe the story, as the parent cannot believe until they touch their children that if they are declared deaf or dead, that they have to touch them to believe that they are alive. Because you're so devastated. So Thomas and the disciples and everybody back then needed to see, touch, and hear Jesus. But as I said, we're the beneficiary of a story that knows that after Good Friday comes Easter. So we don't see, don't need to see anymore because we know by pass on stories and pass on witnesses that the resurrection took place as we believe the story that is told to us that the parents, when they touched their sons again, believed that they were alive. We are able to believe those stories that are told to us because we are not the parents, but we are the beneficiary of a wonderful story that we believe that this miracle really took place. So let's take a closer look to Thomas. If his doubts were really of an unfaithful man, <coughs> for whatever reason, he was not there. Maybe he was too devastated to stay with his friends after Good Friday. For whatever reason, he was not in the room with them. And when you read some chapters before, Thomas was the one when Jesus went out to resurrect Lazarus from the dead. And they knew that they needed to go back to Jerusalem. The disciples were all saying, no, don't go back. No, let's not go back. They will kill us. You made already enough trouble. We all will end up dead. So no, let's not go back. And Thomas was the only one saying, no, let's go back and die with him. Let's go back and die with him. He was the only one courageous enough to face death together with Jesus, according to the Gospel of John. And I do believe that Thomas died with Jesus <coughs> on the cross. And that's why he wasn't with his friends, because he was one of the most devastated people there. His heart was crushed. Maybe that was why he wasn't around. 
But then the friends were seeking him and saying, hey, Jesus is not dead. He rose from the dead, and he couldn't believe it. And one week later, eight days, Jesus appeared. Eight days, Thomas wrestled with his doubts. With his doubts as the resurrection really took place, or if he should mourn the loss. One week in doubt if this unbelievable story really took place. Who stays one week in doubt so faithfully hoping that Christ will appear to him as well? If we say that doubt is unfaithfulness, then he was the most faithful unfaithful that we can meet because he faithfully remains in doubt, knowing that Christ will appear to him as well. Waiting. Waiting that this resurrection will appear to him as well. He didn't leave Jesus behind. Oh my God. After a week, he could have said, I'm done. You know, seven days pass, and he still hasn't appeared to me. I'm done with this story. Bye-bye, friends. I'm out of here. I'm going back to my family, and I resume my work, I'm done. No, he stayed in doubt and remained with the friends, knowing that he's the only one who hadn't had this experience, who was doubting the resurrection, but faithfully stayed in this doubt. We only can learn that doubt is one of the most faithful reactions and actions we actually can do. Not leaving doubt, not escaping doubt, not saying, I don't, I push this aside. I don't face my doubts. He faced them one-on-one, -on -one, staying there and waiting. I don't call this being unfaithful. I call this very faithful. So I don't think that we do him justice if we say Thomas is the unfaithful doubter or that we put doubt versus faithfulness, that we should actually say doubt brings faithfulness, deepens faithfulness, roots us in our faith. And if we work through our doubts, we get more and more rooted in faith. So we are still in the Easter season. Easter is not only about the hallelujah and about the people who believe the resurrection. Easter is for everybody who believes in the resurrection and who doubts the resurrection, who says, I have no idea what it really is, but I stay in Easter till I have my resurrection. Now, Jesus is not with us anymore, so we cannot touch his wounds. We cannot touch him and see him. But through our actions, we can bring Jesus to others. If we would start talking about our doubts, if we would start talking about our hurt and our pain more, that God causes us. Because following is not always easy. Sometimes it's hurtful. And sometimes we don't know how we can remain in faith and face our challenges. <coughs> if we would more talk about this. Those are the hurts and pains that other people can touch and experience Jesus. If we would share more how we walk through our doubts, how we live with our pain, and how God helps us there without being confrontative and say, read more the Bible, but more witnessing what God does in your life, how healing God is, what kind of pain and hurt we had, and maybe still have. Those are the wounds that other people can touch to experience Jesus and the resurrection in their life. 
as Jesus was vulnerable to Thomas, letting him touch his wounds, we have to become vulnerable to others so they can touch our wounds, so that Jesus can come to them. Easter opens the doors for everybody, for the believers who are rejoicing to the doubters who are doubting. And Easter embraces everybody, the quiet, the mute, the speechless, the hurt, and the happy ones. Easter is everything and everyone. Easter does not exclude us. And Isa does not exclude especially the doubters, because doubt is one of the most faithful actions we can have. So don't be afraid, I say, as Jesus says it to us. His peace is with us, as his hurt and pain is with us. So don't be afraid to show your doubts. Your doubts, your hurts and your pains might become the wounds of Jesus for others. Amen. <laughs>